Hi there listeners. Welcome to episode 122 of Never on the Backfoot podcast. This is me Neha Shetty and I'm so glad to have you all listening in. The Sri Lanka versus India series was an exciting one as we won the T20I series 2-1 and clean sweep the ODI series 3-0. There's a lot of talking points from this tour and with the Commonwealth Games also fast approaching we have some exciting times lined up. Let's kick start the discussion with the T20I series. In the first T20I, Deepthi Sharma and Jemima Rodriguez starred as India defeated Sri Lanka by 34 runs. The visitors finished strong with the bat before putting in a disciplined performance with the ball to take a lead in the three match series in the second t20i harmanpreet kaur shined as the visitors defeated sri lanka by 5 wickets to clinch an unassailable 2-0 lead in the series harmanpreet kaur also took a crucial wicket while bowling and then saw her side through that crucial run chase in the third t20i chamari athapattu's 80 not out gave sri lanka a consolation win yet india clinched the series 2-1 That victory also ensured that Sri Lanka avoided a clean sweep and they also forged the record of beating India for the first time in a T20I at home. Let's focus on the positives from the T20I series. The 2017 World Cup was an inflection point not just for the ODI format in women's cricket but post the semi-final event even the shortest format hastened its evolution with players becoming more conscious of their need to specifically mould their skill sets differently for this format. There are more big hitters in the game than ever before. Anchors have been trying to innovate their game to keep up and bowlers have been fighting back by adding variety. India had two good back-to-back T20 World Cups but they also had a slew of mixed results. Now we have the Commonwealth Games coming around the corner. Now where does India stand as a T20I side? This series definitely provided a sneak peek into that. When India set out to travel to Sri Lanka for the six-match limited over series, three of them being T20Is, Ramesh Pawar spoke about the need to use those matches to, you know, finalize a final playing eleven for the Birmingham Games. Sri Lanka wasn't supposed to be a big challenge for India, having won 14 matches against them by losing just three. Despite the conditions that are vastly dissimilar from the ones that they're going to face in England, the hope was that all the pieces would fall in place by the time the T20I leg ended. But at the end of the series, although India won convincingly 2-1, there still seems to be more questions than from the time that they started the tour. The abundance of top order batters. Now, Smriti Mandana, Shifali Varma, S. Meghna and Jemima Rodriguez all opened the batting for their respective domestic sides and are predominantly the top three batters in any of the sides they play for. Throw Yastika Bhatia into the mix. She is India's incumbent number three in ODIs, but also acted as the reserve opener during World Cup 2022. Bhatia also batted in the top three for her domestic side Baroda while taking up the gloves. While Mandana, Varma and Jemima Rodriguez have been regular fixtures in India's T20I setup for a very long time now, the sheer weight of runs and notable performances that S Meghna and Bhatia have forced themselves into the India squad. In an attempt to fit both of them, the South Powers asked to take up wicket-keeping duties from Ruchagosh for the first T20I in the playing 
India was playing Meghna, Rodrigues and Bhatia out of position. It seemed to work in the first match when Rodrigues, arguably India's most versatile among the top batters, helped India. Now batting at 5 for the first time, she helped India recover from that tricky situation and post a competitive total. The 21-year-old repeated the feat in the third T20I with support from Harman Preet Kaur, who looked set to you know, take the number 4 role and India posted a similar score. But on a better wicket, it certainly wasn't enough. In the second game, Bhatia, in her only appearance with the bat, struggled to force the issue. Although India can utilize Rodrigue's versatility and put her at 5, the fact that she's not a power hitter could be a problem. Now, there could be scenarios where you have to get going straight from ball 1 in that position. And that's where the big hits might get difficult to come. Now, entry points in T20s has become so crucial over the years. Jemima Rodriguez's success in Sri Lanka series was partly due to India losing wickets early enough that allowed her time to settle in and build the innings. Going by numbers, she's had most of her success in T20Is while batting at number 3. She has also amassed 882 runs at an average of 30.41 and a commendable strike rate of 111.36 at 3. But if India move her to number 3, then the issue becomes where will S. Meghna bat? Now, during her return, Meghna batted at 4 in the one-off T20I against New Zealand and put up an admirable show. But she is still an opener or a number 3 batter at best and can be vulnerable if she has to start against spin. Getting S. Meghna in at 3 and pushing Jemima Rodriguez to 4 is one option that India can definitely explore. But now, that will create a new headache regarding Harman Preet Kaur's batting position. While their skipper's numbers at 4 and 5 are similar except for the strike rate, India will have to make allowances for the fact that Harman Preet Kaur can be a slow starter and they would like one of their best batters in early and ready for the onslaught. Again, entry points are going to be very crucial for India going ahead and India would love to ha- have Harman Preet Kaur batting at the death. Now, this depends again on the scenarios. From whatever little evidence we have had, Bhatia showed that she is an able wicketkeeper, but Richa Ghosh has big hitting prowess and would be a better fit to come in at 6 or say after 16 overs. If India wants to fit in Bhatia, they will have to ask her to bat at number 3 in place of S. Meghna. If India don't think they can have both Bhatia and Ghosh in the side at the same time, then they should probably look for other lower order hitting options. Now this brings India to their very next problem the lower order hitting and all-rounders. Now, Richa Ghosh has had some success in her T20i career early on, but then went on to smash the fastest ODI 50 by an Indian against New Zealand in those rain-reduced matches earlier this year. Since then, she has blown hot and cold and has a middling World Cup with the bat to show. If India is convinced that Richa Ghosh can't be their first-choice wicketkeeper and ask her to hand over the gloves to Bhatia, then they will have to go searching for batters who can be enforcers down the order. Kiran Navgire, who is another top-order batter with the ability to go after spinners, is an option that can be considered. But her game against genuine pace and back-of-length deliveries still remain quite untested. Now, in India's current squad, they have two pace bowling all-rounders in the form of Pooja Vastakar and Simran Dil Bahadur, in addition to Deepti Sharma, who is your off-spin all-rounder. While Pooja Vastakar makes the side as a bowler alone, it is her power hitting that gives an edge over other options. Simran Dil Bahadur, on the other hand, is definitely a work in progress as far as both the departments are concerned. Now, 184 runs at 131.42 strike rate and 21 wickets at 20.42 average and 6.11 economy 
money rate could mean that Pooja Vastrakar is definitely a short starter and she can be a handy number 7 in T20Is. Now that also brings the focus to Deepthi Sharma, right? She is your premier spin all-rounder of the side. She has battled all over the place in ODIs and T20s and has been experimented everywhere. But despite a 17 of 8 balls knock at number 8 in the first match, she doesn't inspire much confidence as a batter. Since Jan 2018, she has featured in 56 of the 63 T20Is that India has played, second most after Smriti Mandana alongside Kaur who have batted in 42 of them. Despite staying not out in 20 of those, she averages a meagre 21.95 and strikes at a sub-optimal 92.52. While those numbers are simply not good enough as a lower order bat, her bowling is what has kept her in the side. But off late, her bowling too has tapered off and Deepthi Sharma has been averaging less than a wicket since India came back from the pandemic in 2021, while also going at an economy rate of 7.05. Only Sarah Glenn has been more expensive during this period among bowlers who have bowled a minimum of 30 overs. But the England leggy is predominantly a wicket-taking option in the middle overs and has taken wickets at an average of 20.45. Deepthi Sharma's equivalent numbers are 29.4. India does have the option of bringing in Sne Rana in place of Deepthi Sharma. The Railways all-rounder had been rested for the Sri Lanka tour as an immediate solution. But Sne Rana is not a big hitter and relies more on innovation to score her runs. Now, if India were to look for some power from their off-spinning all-rounder, going by the senior T20 trophy that recently concluded, the other option they can certainly explore is Dial and Hemalata. Now, she was the fourth highest run-getter in the senior T20 trophy and scored 272 runs from the eight innings at an incredible strike rate of 150.2. While her previous stint with India wasn't very fruitful, she can be a like-for-like replacement for Deepthi Sharma as far as the bowling front is concerned, and is the better hitter among the trio of Sharma, Rana and herself. Effectiveness of spinners and where are the pacers? Now, India's successes in both ODIs and T20Is has been built around the potency of their spinners. And much has been written of how things have gone south for India post the pandemic once the effectiveness of the spinners diminished. What India's spin attack could be, and it is just in need of some personal change, is something that can be known once you make those moves, right? Now, from the outset, it does seem like India has lost confidence in their first-choice leggy, Poonam Yadav, having fielded her in just five of the 13 matches they have played since 2021. The 30-year-old hasn't helped her case too. Her performances have struggled and she has been going at 7.11 per over. Poonam seems to be at crossroads as far as her bowling is concerned and hasn't quite adjusted to the changing demands of the game. Batters from all over the world have been staying on back foot and waiting for her slower deliveries to hit her all around the park. Now this effectively renders her googlies useless. To an effective... To be an effective T20 side, teams need to have a leggy as an attacking option or this X-factor in their playing 11. Whether that's Poonam Yadav, Maya Sonamane, Devika Vaidya, Sunanda Yetrikar or someone else is a call they will definitely have to make going ahead. 
Slow left arm spinners in Rajeshwari Gaikwad and Radha Yadav were part of the T20I squad against Sri Lanka. Gaikwad has been India's most impressive spinner for India in the last two years, but bowled only one over in the opening fixture and sat out in the other two games, while Radha, on her return to international cricket, has been the most successful bowler for India with four wickets. The 22-year-old hasn't looked like her older self and a few more matches under her belt would definitely bolster her confidence. With the wickets increasingly becoming batter-friendly in the shortest format all over the world, gone are the days where you could turn up with your spin contingent and expect them to, you know, win you games. It also brings a sense of deja vu even to write about India's space bowling problem. The team management has been vocal about the need to find this new crop of fast bowlers and it seems like they've decided to look beyond Shikha Pandey, you never know with the decision makers, and one can hope that they will give enough games to Simran Dilbahadur, Renuka Singh Thakur and Meghna Singh who deserve more opportunities to show their talent. If the pace bowling contingent bears the same look, then Pooja Vastrakar will have to lead the attack in England. But there were no signs of it in Sri Lanka with India choosing to use Pooja Vastrakar sparingly and not as the opening bowler. Thakur didn't have any assistance from the pitch and both Thakur and Singh will be hoping for some swing in Birmingham. Simran Dil Bahadur also didn't inspire much confidence with her bowling against Sri Lanka either. But again, it will be unfair on her if India were to look past her in the next series. Let's talk about the ODI series and its outset. Now, the last match that India played without both Mithali Raj and Julan Goswami in their ODI playing 11 was against Australia in October 2018, 43 matches ago. The last time India played an entire ODI series without the two stalwarts was in April 2013, nine years ago against Bangladesh in Ahmedabad. While Mithali has of course retired, there is no clarity yet on what are the immediate future plans for Julan Goswami. But it is fair to say that the ODI series against Sri Lanka will mark a new era for India and it did. At the front and the centre was Harman Preet Kaur, the full, full-time white ball captain of India going forward and it is the role that she obviously relished. Leadership and high-pressure situations seem to bring the best out of her as a fighter and she was keen to you know, ensure that India wrapped up the series in style and took a step in the right direction for the future. In the first ODI, Deepti Sharma's all-round heroics led India to victory. She picked up three wickets before guiding home India with an unbeaten 22 and forged a crucial partnership with Pooja Vastrakar that helped India massively. Now, this was India's first ODI without Mithali Raj and this win also ensured that India got off the mark in style in the ICC Women's Championship cycle of 2022-25. In the second ODI, Renuka Singh Thakur's 4-4 and Smriti Mandana and Shifali Varma's record stand gave India a series win. Renuka Singh Thakur's 4-28 helped India restrict Sri Lanka to 172, which was chased down by ease by the opening pair of Smriti Mandana and Shifali Varma. Chasing 174, Mandana and Varma got off to a very quick start, putting up 50 runs in 9 overs. Smriti Mandana's 94 took charge of India's chase with her impeccable timing to find the gaps in the Sri Lankan field and ensured India got an unassailable 2-0 lead. In the third ODI, Harman Preet Kaur starred as India completed a 3-0 series clean sweep. Harman Preet Kaur top scored for India with a counter-attacking 75 before picking the crucial wicket of her counterpart Chamari Atapattu. 
Harmanpreet Kaur led from the front and ensured that Sri Lanka was given that humbling 39 run defeat. She top scored with that 75 before picking up the crucial wicket and ensured that India moved to 6 points out of a possible 6 in the new cycle of the ICC Women's Championship. Now I India would definitely be happy as starting off their ICC Women's Championship campaign with an emphatic fashion and sweeping Sri Lanka 3-0 is no mean feat. This was India's first clean sweep in almost 3 years, their last one being against South Africa at home in October 2019. With this being Harmanpreet Kaur's first series as a full-time India ODI captain, there were plenty of promising signs for the team. Sri Lanka on the other hand has now won only one of their 6 matches and has plenty of causes for concern. Let's also talk about the takeaways from the ODI series. Shafali Verma finding the right gear. Now since she burst onto the scene in 2019, Shafali Verma has been a game changer for the Indian team right at the top of the order. She has played defining innings for India in tests and T20Is, but it was her form in ODIs that was always something that was questioned, mostly because of inconsistency. She had not averaged more than 13 any of the four previous ODI series she had played in her career. In Sri Lanka though she had a blockbuster series racking up scores of 35 71 not out and 49 in 3 ODIs to finish as the leading run getter in the series she attributed the success to a more risk free approach and that was so evident in the second ODI where she scored an unbeaten 71 at an impressive strike rate of 100 despite hitting only 4 fours and 1 six she complemented smriti mandana so well The single scored seem seemingly cracked and she will be looking to double up and convert her starts into more 50s and 100s going ahead. Let's also reflect on Harmanpreet Kaur's leadership. Now as far as full-time captaincy debuts go, it would be hard to better Harmanpreet Kaur's effort in Sri Lanka. She was the player of the match in the second T20I and player of the T20I series. player of the match in the third odi and player of the odi series as well she has had plenty of odi success in the nascent stages of her captaincy which is such a confidence booster she has now also won seven out of the eight odi she has been in charge of her current win percentage of 87.5 is the best for any indian captain in the format Harmanpreet Kaur's captaincy was aggressive, be it deploying fielders in catching positions, even deep into the innings, or fronting up to bowl the difficult overs herself. Harmanpreet put her success down to greater freedom and actually enjoying her game. She also said that the players responded accordingly to the situations, repaying her faith in them. That actually made things really easy for her. Even on the rare occasion when things did not go according to plan for India, she was always there to make the decisive intervention, be it dismissing Chamari Athapattu or just you know ensuring the field placements were right, and dropping herself down to number six to give the young players a better opportunity to bat is something that obviously has to be lauded. Renuka Singh Thakur's impressive tour. Now this was India's first ODI series without the iconic duo of Mithali Raj and Jhulan Goswami in almost 10 years as we previously spoke of in the episode. Now Goswami's absence meant that India's young pacers had an opportunity to make their mark and also stake their claim to being the next pace bowling spearhead for team India. Renuka Singh Thakur was one of the only two players in India's World Cup squad to not feature in a single match in the tournament. the other being reserve wicketkeeper tanya bhatia but she made the most of her opportunity as she opened the bowling attack in sri lanka and was super impressive she picked up three wicket 
haul in her first ODI and then picked up a four wicket haul in the second ODI in the process improving her career best in each of her first four ODIs. Her ability to swing the ball into the right-handers and away from the left-handers proved particularly lethal for the Sri Lankan left-handers. She dismissed Chamari Athapattu with the perfect away swinger in the first ODI and rocked Sri Lanka early in the second ODI by dismissing both Hasini Pereira and Harshita Madhvi, an effort that saw her become the player of the match. Thakur's return of 10 wickets from her first four ODIs is the best ever for an Indian bowler and with India scheduled to play in much more helpful conditions for her in England for the Commonwealth Games as well as the bilateral series, Thakur might even get more of an opportunity to show her full range of skills as a new ball bowler and definitely excel. Let's also reflect on how important this series is was you know going into the commonwealth games now coming into this series sri lanka had already played pakistan away from home and they had lost both the t20i and odi series 3-0 and 2-1 respectively as for the odis india was going to play its first series under the new cycle of women's championship and going into the commonwealth games earlier india certainly was riding on a lot of positives the new harman preet kaur era has begun on a bright note and certainly there is so much to look forward from this team in the future Let's now steer the discussion to the thoughts on the squad selected for the Commonwealth Games. The BCCI announced the Indian women's squad for the Commonwealth Games, which commences on the 29th of this month in Birmingham. This will be the first time that women's T20 internationals will be featured in the prestigious multi-sport event. India is placed in Group A along with Australia, Barbados and Pakistan. Sri Lanka, England, New Zealand and South Africa are placed in Group B. The top two teams from the respective pools will progress to the semi-finals and India is scheduled to play three games in the league stage of the tournament. The squad mentioned is a very interesting one and there were a few harsh calls made in the 15 name that certainly sparked debate and also demanded clarity from the fans to you know what is happening with the thought process that has gone behind the inclusions and exclusions. Now India's squad has Harman Preetkaur as the skipper, Smriti Mandana as the vice-captain, Shafali Verma, S. Meghana, Tanya Bhatia as the wicketkeeper, Yastika Bhatia also as the wicketkeeper, Deepti Sharma, Rajeshwari Gaikwad, Pooja Vastrakar, Meghna Singh, Renuka Singh Thakur, Jemima Rodriguez, Radha Yadav, Harleen Diol, and Snehrana. As standby players, we have Simran Dil Bahadur, Richa Ghosh, and Poonam Yadav. The squad will be led by Harman Preet Kaur with opener Smriti Mandana named as her deputy. Other regulars include opener Shafali Varma, spinner Sne Rana and Rajeshwari Gaikwad, all-rounders Deepti Sharma and Pooja Vastrakar, wicketkeeper batter Tanya Bhatia, batters Jemima Rodriguez and S. Meghna as well as pacers Meghna Singh also find a place in the squad. Simran Dil Bahadur, Richa Ghosh and Poonam Yadav have been named as reserves. It is a strong 15 that the BCCI has announced. There's no second thought on that. The top and the middle order features attacking and intentful openers in the form of Shafali Varma and Smriti Mandana, followed by quality middle order players in Jemima Rodriguez, Harleen Diol, S. Meghna and Harman Preet Kaur. Now, that's obviously sides would fear such a fierce batting. The lower middle order with the likes of quality all-rounders in Deepti Sharma, Pooja Vastrakar, Sne Rana is a valuable one to have. The bowling surely lacks the experience with no Jhulan Goswami and long drop pacer in Shrika Pandey, but young crop that come through has also been good and they've had success 
in India in bilateral cricket. Spin twin Radha Yadav is now catching up well after a bit of a lean patch and Rajeshwari Gaikwad alone has been a huge asset. The way they will complement each other will be crucial and how she's gone with her spin is what Indian fans will wish she continues. Notable exclusions, right? Now, Richa Ghosh's demotion to standby players list as Tanya Bhatia named who'd last played a T20I game way back in 2020 without any clarity of her role as she was made to bat everywhere in, the, in that playing 11. Richa Ghosh was scouted and brought back in place of Tanya Bhatia and Richa, since her international debut, has been backed and groomed because the potential is very clear in the little we've seen and especially in the shortest T20I format. Richa Ghosh was also a part of the Indian squad that toured Sri Lanka, but one failure that came in the opening game saw her being dropped from the side for the next two games. And Yastika Bhatia was roped in. In her first game of the series, in the second T20I, Yastika didn't have a good start and in the third T20I when she came. There's a perfect opportunity for her to play the role of a finisher. She was demoted and Pooja Vastrakar was assigned the role to finish the innings. What India missed here is Richa didn't deserve only a game as everyone is aware of that game-changing ability she has. She was picked even by the WBBL team, right? But in their only build-up to the series of the games, the finisher's role was something they had to experiment with and Yastika had to face, you know, and she, we saw how Pooja took this charge. Now, Tanya from nowhere is in the squad. At least she should have featured in the lead-up series, right? A long-run plan doesn't seem to be in place for Team India. On the bowling front, long drop pacer Shikha Pandey's return to international cricket is a case that has had no word from the BCCI. And it's only getting blurred as days pass and sadly it's not just one as there's a long list of players who are in this category. Another talking point has been that of Poonam Yadav and her demotion to the standby list. This alone doesn't look too big of an issue because she's had issues with her bowling speeds and even repeated backing hasn't helped the cause. Above all, there are already too many spinners in the squad. Now, inclusion front, Harleen Diol's inclusion in the squad has raised eyebrows and rightly because her last international game was late in 2021. And again, it is a case of no long run plan in place. If one sees it with a wider lens, it is understandably so that the all-rounder package she brings in with her athletic fielding, bowling and the way she smashes with the bat in hand is a valuable one to hand. And it is definitely an entry to be welcomed. But again, what's missed here is the process. Names that have made inclusion and exclusion sadly haven't had a process and the game time to prove their worth. They've just been demoted or promoted and this hasn't done justice to anyone and it's all come out very poorly. A last one, a bit out of the box, but it's something that one would have expected and that's with Kiran Navgire. Maybe she could have been used as an X-Factor who could have made it to the squad or at least a game or two in the build-up during the Sri Lankan series would have given India an option. There's no doubt it's very early for Kiran Navgire to be on the international stage. But there was a little buzz as to how she would have gone if she would have featured in a game or two at the games. Disappointment remains in the process players demotion and promotion have taken place and everything that directly links to it shows that there is no long-term plan in place that's resulted in poor game time as well there's no doubt that this is a strong 15 named and is one that if it carries its momentum can go for the long haul india plays their first on an opening day, the curtain raiser against Australia on 29th of July. Then they play Pakistan and Barbados on 31st and thir- 31st of July and 3rd of August respectively. And we certainly have some matches to look forward to.
Thank you so much listeners for tuning into the episode and for your unstinted support. Please follow and press the bell icon on Spotify and subscribe to the podcast on Google Podcast for latest episode updates and stay tuned. Do check out at the rate never on the back foot on Instagram and at the rate never on the back one on Twitter for the latest facts, trivia, quizzes, terminology and a lot more that's coming up this cricket season just for you. The podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast and a lot of other platforms. So please do spread the word. Stay safe and take care listeners. Bye for now.